You're listening to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Gerard with space, pumped it towards Barosh. He's been tipped through it. The goalkeeper made contact. Luis Garcia was in front of the line. Gallas hooked it away. Goal! The first goal of the semi final is a Liverpool goal. And it's come down to Drogba, who this time is the fifth penalty taker for Chelsea in the final shootout. Premier League is back, baby. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Manchester United started things off with a 2-1 victory on Friday afternoon over Leicester City. Spurs won on Saturday morning, 2-1 over Newcastle. No goals from Harry Kane still in August. Chelsea started off the sorry campaign with a 3-0 victory over Huddersfield with surprisingly N'Golo Conte and Jorginho getting on the score sheet. Liverpool spanked West Ham this morning 4-0. Salah, Mane, and Danny Sturge getting in on the action. And Manchester City gave Unai Emery a home opener to forget as the champions won 2-0 at the Emirates. Once again, welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. As always, I'm Andrew in here with Alex and new member New official member of the squad. His transfer papers were cleared. The Premier League has issued him his official number. Uh, we welcome you to the first official three-way podcast of the Ghost Goal Podcast. Welcome, Javier. Let's have a great freeway, guys. Yeah. Great Ooh, freeway. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty weird <laughs> freeway, not going to lie. It's an, uh, we're not going to talk about the transfer fee. It was an undisclosed transfer fee. An undisclosed fee. transfer fee, yeah. yeah. We paid. We overpaid, in case you were wondering. <laughs> we, we definitely overpaid. But, I mean, that's that's our fault because we signed him with that loan obligation to buy earlier in the winter. Right. Earlier exactly. last year, and his values. I had, I had high potential. I had high potential, and you know that's how it goes. And, you know that's what happens when you use career mode manager and you use all the training sessions for just the same player every week, and you get their value like triples by the right, end of the season. Exactly. All right, let's start. Let's start with Friday afternoon's action once again. Manchester United two one over Leicester City. An early Pogba penalty. Luke Shaw getting a, a goal in the eighty third minute, and Jamie Vardy snagging one back. In extra in stoppage time, um, what did you guys think of Manchester United on Friday afternoon? Uh, I thought that they were they started off the game decently. Obviously, you know they got the penalty going in the third minute. So, um, but as soon as they went up one nothing, it was kind of that you know that same old Manchester United where they sat back a bit. They invited uh, Leicester to attack them and. Leicester got back in the game. I mean, there were several situations where, um, you know, in the first half and in, in the second half as well, where, you know, Leicester had good opportunities that they squandered. De Gea made great saves. Uh, Baye made great tackles. Baye was a monster. Like, I was I was texting every United fan I know just saying, like, when if Baye is fit for most of the season, you guys are going to be fine defensively because obviously him in front of De Gea is just, it's just a brick wall to try and get past no matter how good of attacking players you have. But yeah, you can't help but feel United got a bit lucky, which, you know, that, that, that describes most of their wins last season. Yeah, they, this so is, to me, this is a typical is United, yeah, this is a typical United win, like, this is how they got their wins last year, I expect the more of the same, and I mean, if they can get Pogba playing, uh, you know, 30-plus games... Uh, they, you know, they maybe can do something in the league. They'll definitely maybe be making top four, I think. There's so. some good things from Fred. There's some promising things in midfield for them when Matic comes back. Matic, Fred, and Pogba could be pretty formidable. Yeah, a debut for uh, Pereira 
their uh, their new signing? No, he's coming through the academy. Oh, he came through the academy, and he was on oh, loan okay. to Valencia last year. Yeah, he's he's a good little player, but they played him a little bit more of like a, a deeper role when he was playing as a winger last year, and he looked pretty good too. So he won't displace Matic, but yeah, no, but they have to know you can throw. Yeah, him they out have there. some options in the midfield. Uh, it's interesting to see that he you know he started him over some of the other seasoned veterans that United has in that midfield. Also, Mata getting the nod over. Uh, Martial. You know, Martial and uh, Rashford started. Up Rashford started, right? Yeah, but that was that was interesting that they gave uh, they gave Mata the nod. Um, you know, a lot of people thought he his career was looking to end at United, and they were trying to set, send him out the door this summer. But it looks like they're going to hold on to him. I think that's partly because Mourinho wasn't able to get some of the pieces that he wanted. There were a lot right. of guys that Mourinho told them, you can leave, and then they never went and signed a replacement. And he's like, nope, you can't leave. Like, I actually need you here. And I think Juan Mata falls into that role. I was, I mean, with all the guys returning from the World Cup still, and Lukaku in particular comes off from the bench in the second half, I was a little surprised to see Rashford down the middle. Happy for him, because I've said it on this on this pod before, that kid... If he's given the opportunity to play in a central role, I think that's where he's going to excel the best. But, I mean, what did you guys think of James Madison, who got his debut? I, I saw a lot of praise for him on Twitter over on Friday he night. He was pretty bright. That he, was, uh, he, had he had that a, one really good chance at he, the uh, he end of the put, first half. He put it straight at De Gea, and De Gea was able to stop it near post. But you just feel like uh, as time, uh, or as he gets more time in the Premier League, and he gets better an idea of how long he's going to be afforded on the ball in those kinds of situations. He won't like snap at them as quickly and he'll be a little bit more composed and finish those off. I, 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 I'm still on board, even though he didn't register a goal or an assist or, uh, or create anything super significant. Also Shaw played quite well during the game. Obviously he got that goal, which ended up being the winner, but um, the return of Luke Shaw. Yeah. If I, you know, if, no they, more can, if, they, can, if they can get him playing uh, at a high level, then you know, that, that team's scary, you know, for sure. Get Matic back in that team, get uh, Lukaku going, um, you know, and, and, and find, find – they have plenty of options to choose for uh, for those wingers. Um, you know, Alexis has played in a more striker role as well. And once um, – He was he was a little disappointing other than those uh, three assists you talked about he, like, probably should have had. Yeah, he should have had three assists in that game. Uh, he did Mata, seem really synced up with everyone at times in I mean, build-up play. that's kind of how Alexis is, though. He's just, like, he's, he's <laughs> just maverick. out there. He's a yeah, maverick. he's just – I mean, he just does his own thing out there, and, like, he'll create chances for you and score goals. Like, and he'll also he, give it away in terrible yeah. areas. He'll also give away the ball a bunch of times, and he'll be frustrating sometimes. It's just – that's just what happens with him, so – you know, but I thought I thought for his first game he, he he looked decent. I think his look for him and uh, when Lukaku comes back, uh, look look for more production from Alexis because I think those two have a really good connection together. Um, you know, and, and Pogba, Lukaku, Alexis is going to be I think a, a fierce, uh, formidable attacking th- uh, threesome. Yeah, I tweeted it out on Friday afternoon from the account. Paul Pogba after the game said, "If I wanted to say what I wanted to say right now, if I if I said what I wanted to say right now." I would get fined. Do you guys think that Barcelona have officially unsettled him much like they did Coutinho? I think Mino Raiola, his agent, has unsettled him, which, you know, any player who uh, has Mino Raiola as their agent is just one uh, just one statement from their agent away from being unsettled and about to leave whatever club they're at, you know? So 
That's why uh, that's why I'm very happy that Chelsea usually stay away from Mina Raiola players. Meanwhile, United have sort of dove into the bath of Mina Raiola signing Pogba and then Lukaku, and obviously Mkhitaryan two or three years ago. Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic, yeah. Plenty of his players have been funneled to United because they're the ones willing to pay his transfer fees. And if you're willing to get in bed with Mina Raiola, don't be surprised if he uh, speaks out on behalf of his clients. Right. So... Scale of scale of one to ten, how worried should United fans be that they're going to lose their player? Probably like a five. It, it all depends on how they do this year. If they play well, make a challenge for the league and do well in the Champions League with obviously the upgrades of Alexis in there. They're uh, he, they're winning heals all ills, and uh, that Br- will that will resettle him very brief uh, brief note on Leicester here. They actually played pretty well that game. Like I, I, I was surprised at how well they played. Um, Considering they didn't have their full team, they weren't like you know fully up to snuff how they would want to be. Um, Gazal came on the recent yeah. signing replacement for Mares came on close to the end of the game and he looked pretty bright. You know nothing uh, nothing to really stand out, but you can definitely see they can uh, build off of that performance with him. All right, let's jump to Saturday. We got a we got a grill. Maurizio Sarri's Premier League debut, a 3-0 victory, Angolo Conte in the 34th minute, Jorginho in the 45th minute, and Pedro getting on the score sheet in the 80th minute. Alex, how excited were you about this this victory? I had to temper expectations pretty quickly because as enjoyable as it was to win convincingly away from home on the opening day of the season, while all this talk of there being a difficult transition is uh, being thrown around, uh, there were some like shaky points defensively where they didn't look. David Luiz and Rudiger didn't look uh, quite the, the 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 settled center back pairing that uh, we're going to need them to be, or, or if Christensen comes into the fold. Uh, but lots of things to like attacking wise. Huddersfield did a pretty good job of actually uh, trying to phase Jorginho out of the game by like forming this like diamond from their midfield around him to just stop any sort of entry passes to him. But that, in turn, just allowed him to just drift into areas that would just open up N'Golo Kante, open up Ross Barkley, who had a pretty good debut in that third midfield spot that's going to be a bit more attacking and more like uh, Marek Hamšík's role in uh, Napoli. He had a nice little uh, dink pass that put Alonso in for the, the penalty that Alonso drew. So there's some bright spots there for midfield, but obviously Kovacic is going to make a, a push for that position. Uh, and uh, in the end, it's just really good to see... Uh, us be able to score goals at, uh, at any cost and then be able to bring on Eden Hazard, who can just turn the game by himself and turn a 3v2 uh, counterattack into a goal that just pretty much settles the game. Because at 2-0, you did kind of feel like if we give away a set-piece goal here, the last 10 or 15 minutes of this are going to be really choppy and we might end up leaving with just a point, which would have been the closest thing to a disaster for an opening day uh, result for us. So overall, just happy for the points, and uh, I'm not exactly disillusioned about the rest of the season yet for us what do you uh i know i know you talked about david louise and rudiger there back there what's your dream scenario back line gonna be throughout the season for chelsea um dream scenario would be to, that uh, christensen wins the job because i'm a big christensen fan and I, I would like to see him sort of grow into that role more because he is the defender the center back of the future at chelsea but i do understand sorry's uh sentiment of having a more experienced 32 or 33 year old center back like David Luiz there who's very capable on the ball and was pretty decent at uh sort of breaking the lines with his passing and getting balls forward to players in much more forward areas so that they could be sort of set up in 1v1s to start more dangerous attacks uh, Christensen doesn't quite bring that but he is a bit more like safe on the ball in his possession so I think he'll get his chance at some point I wouldn't be surprised if like later in the season he starts to get phased in a bit more over David Luiz 
Are you sticking by Marcos Alonso at left back? He was awesome. Yeah, he was, he was really good, good, but he'll uh, he's going to be an issue against better opposition. Huddersfield had one shot on target, and uh, even that seemed a little bit surprising. They, other than the shaky defensive moments, they didn't really lead to solid shots for Huddersfield. But they just felt like uh, if the ball had bounced the right way for them, they would have had a few more solid uh, opportunities. Uh, and Kepa had his uh, debut also, uh, and he played pretty well. Obviously, didn't have too much to do. But we saw a pretty noticeable uh, weakness of his passing out from the back in like for long distance passes. You know, also, he, he's crosses now, he, into the box from corners like doesn't. He was like okay him. on most of those. I feel like they didn't they didn't uh, do I think it you too guys often. Are struggle from it. Sure, but I'm saying within. in this game, Capo was okay. But yeah. when he tried to do the Ederson like long passes to someone out on the wing, thirty or forty yards away, very often they would go straight to a Huddersfield player or just go out of bounds. So that's something he definitely needs to work on. All right, let's jump over to Kanye's team. Let's talk about Wolves, who get a 2-2 draw from Everton. I don't know if you guys have seen the tweet that it's out there. And if you're a Wolverhampton Wanderers podcast and you don't have the Kanye tweet, I'm a fixed Wolves, pinned as your, like, top tweet, <laughs> you, you really should just, like, delete your account and, like, give up and, like, just not do a podcast anymore. Less competition, one day at a time. Is Jorge Mendes, Kanye uh, West, have you ever seen them both in the same room? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Cannot confirm. Think Can't about confirm. it. You know, Jorge Mendes, Kanye West, there might be the same person. This is what we bring to you on the Just Goal <laughs> podcast. Uh, let's. Richarlison gets the opening goal in the 17th minute. Uh, then the notable action that happens after that is we see Phil Jagielka get sent it off. Uh, Wolves equalize with an absolute peach of a goal from Ruben Neves. Uh, Richarlison again takes the lead for Everton in the 67th minute. And Jimenez, beautiful goal, also on an assist from Ruben Neves. Uh, I think we're going to be saying that name a lot this year, boys. Uh, I talked about Ruben Neves for a while now. Um, Big fan of this kid and did very well in that 3-4-3 formation that Wolves are playing around with right now. Um, I watched... I watched this game in, like, multiple points of time. Like, I didn't get to sit down and watch from the opening whistle to the, the final whistle. I kind of got chunks at, at a time. I do feel like this game was hurt by the fact that Jagielka gets sent off. But my biggest takeaway from Everton was, you know, that Jagielka red card wasn't the only, like, rash challenge we saw from them. The, the, the thing I would say about Everton was they just looked, like, a little rusty in terms of, like, the physicality. Like, we know that the Premier League likes to be physical. I just felt like Everton was a little bit too rash all game long. I don't know what you guys thought, but... Well, it's 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 felt like a pretty uh, significant welcome to the Premier League from Everton. I think the, the, the bigger teams, not that Everton are like one of the top six, but they are like a stalwart in the Premier League. They've been there for 20 plus years now. Uh, when those teams play against uh, promotion teams, even especially ones that are being uh, hailed as sort of like the the next big thing in the English football and everything like that, like Wolves have been, they like to make a statement and they like they like to let them know this is a significant step up in physicality and quality. And Everton took the lead two different times, once uh, down to ten men, and that that was a pretty big uh, first punch to throw, uh, first one or two punches to throw against uh, this pretty young Wolves team. You know, they are. Talk about their talent all you like, and they have a couple of experienced players here and there, but those experienced players aren't exactly used to the Premier League, and particularly João Moutinho and Rui Patricio. So I, I liked their approach from Everton. If they hadn't gotten that player sent off, then I probably would have favored them to even win the game. Uh, so 
I think the first game under Marco Silva, you have to be pretty happy with a point away against formidable opposition in a pretty uh, pretty crazy atmosphere. Before that game, they had like fireworks going off and shit. It was like, Jesus, this is like their cup final. This feels like really big for Wolves and the atmosphere, you could feel it through the television. Yeah, I mean, when they scored their goal, like, you know, the commentators were talking about how the stadium shook, and you could you could hear it from the TV, just the roar from the crowd, and, and yeah, it's, it's probably going to be a really intimidating place to go. I'm sure Everton are going to be happy that they got that point, and uh, I thought Jimenez, uh, the uh, he equalized in the in the 80th minute, and he, I thought he looked really lively all game. Um, he probably could have had another goal, and... Uh, you know, th- there was a few situations where him and uh, Neves looked to to ha- already and have a, yeah, and Yota seemed to already have a decent understanding, and uh, I think that's only going to grow. I think also Everton surprised me too in that they, even with the backline that they had, and uh, you know having to bring on uh, Mason Holgate um, in uh, in uh, you know because of uh, that red card, they still actually were pretty sound defensively. And um, that's without, you know, Zuma and Mina coming into the team. Yeah, we'll get uh, to that in a bit, for so, sure. you know, that's going to be uh, that's gonna be super interesting once uh, they fully integrate all these players that they got uh, in that last day. Andre Gomez as well. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Dream, dream debut from Richarlson. Yeah, for sure. Say. That was, I mean, I, mean I, I, I kind of expected it, though. Fantasy I mean, team, boys. Fantasy he, uh, team. Yeah, Sergio, our last year's winner on, our, uh, on the Goal School Fantasy League, he had uh, Richarlison on his team, and uh, it was a good move. He's definitely uh, – you could see he did this at Watford last year too, where he had an amazing start to the season. Well, it's it um, coincided with his time under Marco Silva. Right, so, right. You know, Marco so, Silva knows how to get the best out of him. So I think, um, you know, if if you followed the, the Premier League last year and saw him, then it was pretty obvious that this year on a better team that this guy's going to be a threat. And, you know, I think it's, it's the amount of money they paid for him, I, I almost guarantee that the, when they eventually sell him one day, it'll, it'll probably be about double, if not more. So, you know. Good investment, even at yeah, 50. Yeah, <laughs> I think even at 50000000 million, it's still going to have been a good buy. All right, let's go to Sunday, bright and early. Liverpool's 4-0 victory over West Ham. Not to brag, I called it. Mohamed Salah in the 19th minute. Mane in, the, uh, in stoppage time. Before the end of the second half, or the end of the first half, scores in the fifty-third minute, albeit offsides. And Daniel Sturridge uh, scores twenty seconds after coming on for his debut this season um, in the eighty-eighth minute. Uh, I read uh, statistically on on Twitter that uh, Daniel Sturridge is on pace for thirty goals per ninety minutes. So uh, <laughs> hope he can keep that one up because that'd be great. Good luck to him uh, in that quest. Yeah, good, yeah, that's that, that'd be an amazing achievement. I, I have to say. Uh, all in all, fantastic performance from Liverpool this morning. Uh, first half at times, West Ham was definitely keeping us um, at bay until they finally were able to get that first goal. But uh, the player I want to highlight the most has to be not Sadio Mane and not Mohamed Salah, but Naby Keita looks like he's been playing in the Premier League for years. Uh, there were tweets out there, something along the lines of, <sighs> Naby Keita could find could find space in a phone booth while standing next to Gonzalo Higuain. Like he was so good, and like just like the one touch passing in space, he looked composed on the ball. I'm really like the the midfield combination of Wijnaldum and Keita for us is gonna be 
So much fun to watch. They're going to be fun to watch on the field. They're going to be fun to watch off the field. Swag off the charts. If you're not following both of them on Instagram, you basically should delete your Instagram. They, they dress to um, impress, that's for sure. Yeah, they, they uh, really – they they ball out. Like, like oh, yeah. Like, I'm, just, I'm so fit. sad hearing this. Like, I wish – I wish I had a signing like that. Like, yeah, I loved Nabi Keita before he came to Liverpool, and I thought I thought that he would be amazing in the Premier League. And I mean, like you said, I mean, he looks like he's been playing here for for years, and he's I'm sure he's going to be a, a terrific player. His close he's, control at the top of the box is kind of reminiscent of Philippe uh, Coutinho's, to be honest. Maybe not as refined, but you can see there when he beats one or two men at the top of the box and looks to either uh, shoot from 18 or 17 yards or slip someone else in to score. You can see that that's going to add like five to ten goals to Liverpool's uh, goal tally, like already, just by watching him play and not like he didn't have like an immediate impact in terms of like setting up a goal or scoring himself. But you can see it's coming, and you can see that like because of, of the front three that you guys have, that you know the, he's going to get space at the top of that box to to, to to bomb some shots in, and and it's going to be like I'm sure this guys can get like eight to ten goals from the midfield, you know as well as some assists, and it's going to be scary because... That was, my, that was one of my big questions about Liverpool coming into the season, and, you know, 8-10, to 10, I think, would be optimistic, but it's certainly attainable. Uh, going off of West Ham, I know you said that they did a good job, like, early in the second half. They they don't look too far off. I, they, I thought they were going to be worse, <laughs> They to lost 4-0. They don't they look lost, too far no, off. No, they lost 4-0, but at the same time, there was they, they look pretty thin in midfield, and that, that, that Carlos Sanchez signing, I think, is going to help them a little bit, like to become a little bit more solid in midfield. Right. Uh, in possession, they didn't look awful. Jack Wilshere looks like he has like a little bit of an impact already, that they were able to build up on the wings. Felipe Anderson was pretty good at sort of coming back and tracking back defensively and helping in build up just to play those little triangles out in the wing to sort of release an offensive player or a winger forward. He was tricky. But, he was tricky. He gave the Arnautovic he... thing. Yeah. The Arnautovic center forward position. I, I, I don't think that, that, that they can continue that. They need to get him a little bit deeper and playing on the ball because we all know how good he can be with the ball at his feet. And he's got just as much ability as the likes of like Felipe Anderson or uh, Andre Yamalenko to play out on the wings there. So if they can get uh, Chicharito or uh, Perez, who they just uh, signed from Arsenal, or hell, maybe even Andy Carroll, if they can get one of those players firing up top and get Arnautovic more involved with the play a little bit deeper, I think they're going to be a pretty good offensive team this year. Yeah, I was. there were moments that Felipe Anderson irritated me because I thought he dove on the, the yellow card that he caused Trent Alexander-Arnold to pick up. He got slapped but in the he, face, dude. <laughs> that was pretty eh, significant. Like, eh. don't expect a Brazilian to not go down in that situation. I'm just saying. It's not shitting on Brazil. Uh, it's just what they do. Lucas Lucas Fabianski definitely had a good day in between the sticks for West Ham. Like, if he didn't play as well as he did, they would have lost by more than four. Yeah, Salah uh, should have had, like, two goals. Alexander-Arnold should have scored that free kick and that Fabianski oh my God. picked out. Yeah. I have yeah. Alexander-Arnold and Salah in my fantasy team, so I was pretty upset about that one. That would have been a nice uh, boost. Yeah, Joe Gomez looked fine at playing alongside Virgil van Dijk as Dayan Lovren is still not fit. There's the possibility – there's, like – talks of a potential stomach issue that he didn't disclose with the team uh Joel Matip not fit Ragnar Klavan not fit but I thought Gomez did fine uh Jordan Henderson didn't come on until the second half and they pushed Naby Keita up into this left wing almost roll and he looked fine there too so honestly I'm convinced that Naby Keita could play basically anywhere on this team except for for goalkeeper and he'd probably do okay <laughs> uh but all in all solid performance great victory 
let's go to the Emirates where Manchester City beat Arsenal 2-0. Uh, not going to lie, I was I was a little under-impressed with the... I was I was not a little underpressed. I was unimpressed with the starting eleven that Arsenal picked out. I thought that was that was a frankly a piss poor lineup to attempt to beat the reigning champions of the Premier League at albeit at home. I didn't. I, I thought Guendouzi got better as the as the game went on, but putting him into that scenario, I did not think was the smartest play. I really thought they should have played Torreira, but so, Javier, what yeah. say ye? I mean, I I agree I agree with you. Like at first, I was excited, um, you know, saying that he like, texted me thirty minutes before kickoff, saying we could beat them with this lineup. Yeah, like I, I at first I was excited that he was playing, but as soon as I saw like and thought about it, I was like, this is the kid's debut, like it's his first game, and like he was very nervous those first like twenty five minutes, like you know, and, and he was definitely to blame for Sterling's first goal. Um, he didn't need to step off Sterling like that and just give him Hardly the room. Blame. It was like a team defensive thing. I feel no, like. but like he, like Bellerin he, could have done something. No, that Guendouzi was the closest man to, to to Sterling and should have closed him down, but he didn't. And and it was like that goal was very easy and shouldn't have been conceded. And and until that point, it was a, the run of play had been pretty even. But I thought I thought we played better. Uh, in this game than we did against City um, in, in the 3-0 last in year. The, yeah, in the 3-1 and the 3-0 um, you know, last year. So considering that, and then we made a decent – like I think I thought Guendouzi grew into the game. Like I thought in the second half like he played a lot better. He started winning tackles um, and he was much more confident and just like focusing on, on completing his passes. And I actually think he's going to be, um, you know, a mainstay in our midfield in the future. I think that he may replace Shaka, um, and we may we may do like a Guendouzi uh, Torreira midfield, um, which I think would be very good going forward. I, I what I what I like the most about him is that he offers um, just really quick transition, and he gets the ball. Uh, he can ping really long passes. He's not afraid to do that. He didn't do that that much this game because I feel like he was a little scared. Right, after um, he started giving the ball away a bit right. too much he in the first just, half. They, I think Emery told him, like, settle down a bit, like, just keep possession. And obviously keep being lively in, in like, defensive midfield situations. But uh, he seemed better when Torreira came onto the field. Right, like, a bit and, of was a, and was able to, like, yeah, back him up a little bit. Uh, I thought Shaka was awful. Um, yeah, Shaka. Shaka. Oof. I mean, he, 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 I don't really remember him making many tackles at all uh, during that game. And uh, I remember a couple of fouls and really no offensive contribution either. So I, it's really difficult with him. Ramsey wasn't fit this game. I don't think he should have started. I think maybe we should have started uh, Torreira instead um, or Lacazette. Lacazette looked lively when he came on. He had a couple decent chances that he that he uh, that he didn't score. Um, you yeah. felt like there at one one when he got played in and he was at the top of the box and he shifted to his right foot and put it just wide right in that second half. I think it was one nil at that point. Yeah, it had gotten back to one one. One nil, yeah. You know, maybe you see Arsenal holding on for a bit and like Emery like drops everyone deep and they hold on for a point, which they, I think they would have taken after being outplayed in the first half. Right. So, you know, it's just a few things didn't go their way. I don't think it's an absolutely crushing loss. It's, no. uh, it, it's just it's but learning. Were, it's learning. Yeah, by there were positives, action. and it, it feels like even with all the new signings, and like you said, the lineup was kind of disappointing in the sense that, like, you know, we have a 19 year old kid to support uh, starting like in his debut next to Xhaka. Um, You know, this kid pl- came from League Two in France. Like, 
you know, he doesn't have any big experience. Um, he has never played an international for France. So, uh, but I thought City, from a City perspective, you know, business as usual for them. Right? No, like, no De Bruyne. Like no De Bruyne, no, no problem. Like they didn't. It didn't look like they missed them at all. And I mean, just bringing on a player like De Bruyne off the bench, um, you know, Jesus and Sane. I mean. That, the, no one else this season is going to be able to compete with that. I wonder and what that must feel like as a player, as an opponent, when you're playing against City, you're playing against Bernardo Silva and Riyad Mahrez and Raheem Sterling and Aguero, that they're already like good enough. And then 60th minute comes, you're exhausted, and here comes Kevin De Bruyne, just just like lacing up, ready to come on, and just right. absolutely just ping passes and make you run for even more. In the, the rest and you of can the tell well, that, that was that was right around the time when Lacazette came on, and Arsenal had that like immediate chance, and that's right. when when Pep's like, nope, nope, nope. not letting this happen, nope. Yep. He Kevin, Kevin, his... Kevin, put on your shirt, get the fuck out there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. That's that was my commentary too. I was like, nope. As soon as as soon as we start getting in the game, he ruins our fun. He goes, all right, guys. Let's wrap uh, this up. <laughs> literally, we, we were joking. Like the, the the there was a coach giving instructions to De Bruyne. We were like, "Yeah, so you're just gonna pass it. There's gonna be a one-two here, and you're, you're, you guys are gonna score a goal within uh, the next five minutes." Okay, and Kevin. And, and then they did. Like, right, he came on the pitch and like they cut it back, and Mendy with two assists, which is you know that's impressive. They're um, they're they have a whole other dimension to them. Yeah, uh, he, he's like a new signing to them too, right? Like he didn't play all last season for them, and. He, Love those new signings. He's a force. He's a force to be reckoned with. And uh, just uh, now that they've added Mares and Mendy, it seems like, you know, somehow that team's gotten better. You know, they have more depth. They have they have everything this year. So I, I think it's going to be hard to catch them. I think they're going to win the next, you know, six or seven games. They've got a pretty easy schedule coming Until up. that Liverpool game. Um, they have that Liverpool away game. I believe it's in, in early to mid-October. Um, that's their eighth game. And that's going to be that's going to be their first big test. But from here, they got... I mean, yeah, definitely load up on some city players in your teams because uh, fantasy. Yeah, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be killing it out there, and and I would be definitely. I had a you know I I thought Bernard Bernard so was gonna kill us, and he did. He was. Uh, he might keep David Silva out of the team. In all honesty, he was pretty. He possible. was pretty great again, and he, he seems to be popping up in the box a lot and adding to goals, and it's just another goal threat you got to worry about. Um, you know, there's there's now seven or eight of them on that team. You, you know, wh- how do you even prepare for that? Right? Like, I'm really curious to see if Liverpool. The, Ask Liverpool, your Liverpool, Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool City is probably gonna be like freaking seven six. You know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm there for it. Right. We had that four three last year. I'm, I'm ready for a seven six, guys. Like let's do it, like win or lose, something like that would be amazing. But yeah, I don't see anyone catching City this year. I mean, obviously early days, but you know, I mean, it's a podcast. We have to build suspense, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we, if 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 somehow Liverpool can get a result there, then I'll then I'll change my tune. But until I, I'm pretty sure City are going to go perfect from now till then. So. I liked what you said about Bernardo Silva, Alex. I didn't want to cut you guys off because you were rolling there, but. Uh, I think that's also like another factor too. Like you're talking about a player who slowly kind of got bled into this Manchester City team last year, and with the aging of David Silva, I I'm not gonna say last year was his swan song. I just think we're gonna see we're still gonna see a Silva in the lineup. I well, think it's gonna be more of a Bernardo this year than David, than David. Silva. He cleared it up. Uh, I think this past summer. Uh, either after the World Cup or during it, where he said that he has two years left on his contract at City. He's 32 right now. He'll be 34 when it runs out. Uh, And he just intends to run out his contract at City and then maybe go back to Spain or maybe play in the MLS or something for a few years. So two more years of David Silva. I think he's pretty accepting of his role. He gets to play in a Pep Guardiola team. And when he does play, I'm sure he'll be just as lethal when he's uh, a bit more fresh at his age. 
So it's a good situation for him. And Bernardo Silva, as, as uh, today's result shows, seems ready to step up and assume more responsibility. All right, that wraps up all the big games we wanted to talk about today. But we do have a couple last-minute transfers that we didn't get to talk about on the last few pods. Let's start with Everton, who had a flurry of deals from Barcelona this season. Uh, they obviously signed Lucas Digne, who we already talked about. But on transfer deadline day, they bring in the center back, Yerry Mina. They bring in Andre, Andre Gromes uh, on loan. And then they also snag Kurt Zuma on loan from Chelsea. Uh, two experience, well, not experienced, but two center backs, one who's a very uh, exciting young player in Mina. And obviously, Kurt Zuma knows his way around the Premier League. Um, but still a young, and, exciting prospect who they could sign yeah. permanently if he plays well and they like him. And then Andre Gomes. I'm interested to see which Andre Gomes they're going to get because if they're going to get the player that was at Barcelona the last couple years, this is basically Barcelona just dumping salary onto to Everton. If they get the player that Barcelona signed from Valencia for $40 million a couple years ago and they were in hot contention to sign over Real, and he chose Barcelona over Real Madrid – then we're talking about a real player. I'm interested to see, too, I think Mina will do fine in the Premier League in terms of physicality. I'm not worried about that at all. Uh, Andre Gomes, though, I feel like he's not the the fastest player, and I feel like it may take him a little while to kind of – I don't expect him to hit the ground running in the Premier League, but I feel like he could be an asset for Everton. How do you guys, how do you guys rate these signings, and does this push Everton into a team that – you're a little bit more confident can eat, can finish in maybe seventh or challenge for sixth place. Um, I'm pretty happy because uh, I thought for a while Gomez was probably going to go to Arsenal, um, and like it's kind of a relief that he. It, it kind of feels like Barca the last day were just like, all right, go to Everton. Like you know, like <laughs> they just kind of wanted to get rid of him. So I mean, I I'm, I'm, I think he's a gamble. Um, you know, he really did not live up at all to the hype uh, on Barcelona, but he was a really good player on Valencia. And, you know, he's he's actually, you know, he's fairly tall. And if he could bulk up, he could become a decent player maybe in the Premier League. Um, you know, you don't have to be that good, you know, technically and skilled as in the Spanish League, in the Premier League, to look good in the Premier League. And if he, he has a build of a player that, um, you know, if he puts on, you know, maybe 10 pounds of muscle or whatever – uh, the guy, the guy might be able to to slug slug along in the Premier League. So, I, you know, I think that's a good signing for them, especially if, if uh, you know, if they slowly integrate him into the team. Morgan um, Schneiderlin probably needs to be a bit worried because they're they're kind of like the in the same position, right? That, that like Idrissi Gay is not probably getting forced no, out of the team. No, he's not getting moved. He's out. like a stalwart of the team now. It's uh, it's that second midfield position where they feel like they've had a lack of sort of push into the the final third and. Uh, package that with like a, a solid defensive ability, and Schneiderlin was bought, brought in for that reason, but hasn't been like amazing, hands down amazing so far. So maybe that lights a fire under, under his ass, and right. he starts to play a bit better. Or maybe like someone like Tom Davis, who's a young midfield option that's played for them for the past one and a half or two years. Maybe he starts to develop a bit too, in, in reaction to the competition being introduced. But the Yuri Mina signing, I. I like it, especially because it's a permanent move. That's definitely someone that they can mold into a far better Premier League center back that maybe they can even sell for a whole bunch of cash later on. Uh, he he just he's, has a few mistakes in him, so I don't think he fixes anything, but it's good that they've got bodies in there because obviously Phil Shagilka now has that red card. I think after that it was Mason Holgate who came on, and then that 
Chris Pennington, whatever his name is, uh, something Pennington, Charlie Pennington, who's another center back from their academy. They, they, they looked kind of thin there. So Zuma and Mina is definitely a good, uh, what do you call it, deadline day get for them. Just to Yeah, it that. seems like that was a really good buy because, uh, you know, pretty big teams were after him. That There was a lot of talk of United trying to get him. Um, and maybe United also wanted him in the uh, United could have probably could, deal. couldn't offer him, uh, you know, guaranteed game time, and this guy probably wanted to start. So uh, I think he's going to be a good Premier League player. I mean, he's like six foot six. He's like six four. No, he's like six six. He's wow. a huge guy. Just watch the guy on the field. He, he, watch him standing next to you know some of the taller players in the Premier League, and you're going to be shocked how he towers okay. over them. Keep a lookout for that. Um, and you're I mean you know, a six got, five according to Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, Javier, yeah, overblowing people. With cleats on, it's 6'6", easily, you know? <laughs> easily. You've got one-inch studs. Into the grass. You're, we- you're wearing one-inch studs? Get the fuck out of here. Like, like <laughs> come on. Like, you can't, you can't run. You can't run for 90 minutes with one. Like, I would pay money to see you run around for 90 minutes with one-inch studs. Come on, man. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think he'll be uh, – he'll be – I think he's going to be a really good Premier League player. He got a bunch of – he got, he got a few fantasy, goals in the – What's uh, his fantasy price? Because the goals were uh, – I think nice. $5 million. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's a lookout. Keep a lookout for him. Yeah, maybe look out for him. Let's jump to Fulham. Uh, Luciano Vieto comes on loan from Atletico Madrid. Sergio – oh, yeah, Sergio Rico comes on loan from Sevilla. Andre Frank Zombo – Anguisi. That's Anguisa. That's a fun one Anguisa. to say. Ooh, Anguisa. Francisco, that's fun to say. <laughs> Comes from Marseille for thirty million, and then they snag Timothy Fosu Mensa on loan for Manchester United. All great moves. Love the Vieto move. He's a striker who hasn't really always gotten time at Atletico Madrid, and with all the attacking prowess they have over there, I love the move to come and try out the Premier League. Sergio Rico, we've seen be an established goalkeeper for Sevilla before. I don't know much about this Anguisa kid. I'm going to let Alex talk to you about him. Timothy uh, Fosu-Mensa, I'm surprised that Manchester United let him go out on loan. Uh, he had a lot yeah, of time he's a, with he's, Crystal. He's, he's a pretty good player. Yeah, I thought this would have been the year that Mourinho kind of started to integrate him more, maybe on not just on some of those cup games, but against I some of those Mc, relegation teams. I guess teams. McTominay is the preferred, you know, player in that position, but I guess he's also played center back too. But maybe he can maybe, also play fullback. He plays right too. back. He played right oh, back yeah. at Crystal Palace last year, which he, they kind of need right now unless they're ready to play Dalot, their uh, recent signing from Porto over the summer. Uh, but going back to Fulham, the the Anguissa signing is interesting because it is the, the only permanent signing of these. I think they also got another uh, fullback in Joe Bryan. Uh, I, I didn't write him down, but I, I think he's like a, a prospect for them. But uh, Andre Anguissa, he's a 22-year-old defensive midfielder from Marseille. Uh, He's a little raw in terms of his on-the-ball and passing ability, but it it does give them a bit more bite to go with uh, what's sure to be a pretty pretty physical Premier League season. So they do have him, Sarri... And a couple other players like Tom Kearney in midfield that can, that, which you know that's that's a nice that's a nice midfield bunch. Uh, you just hope that Angisa develops a fair bit as the season goes on because if he has a uh, adjustment period to the Premier League, like someone like Timo Bakayoko is a similar comparison to him, uh, then it's going to be a rough one, and he'll be out of the league if he keeps giving the ball away when he's uh, eventually called to receive it. Yeah, uh, I I love all the the business that Fulham made this year. I think they went from, they're the first team, not just them, but them and Wolves are the first two teams that were promoted from the the championship to the Premier League that I generally said, I want to play with them when the new FIFA comes out. And I don't remember 
saying that about one team, let alone two. It's, so it's interesting that um, teams are doing a lot of these loans now, right? Because the market's so inflated. Um, it just seems like uh, like if they don't have the option to buy then it's really not that beneficial to have these players, and you're not going to favor playing them as much well, as... Fulham's goal is just to stay up this year, and if they can convince players so? of that quality... it's really, with, with the amount of money they dropped now, well, which they'll, is they'll, like, they'll get even more money. They spent a significant amount, like, on their permanent deals, so to get these, like, sort of added bonuses in quality players like Sergio Rico and Vieto, who have Champions League experience... I think it's worth uh, worth developing other teams' players if it keeps you in the Premier League for another year, gets you another 150 million pound check to come in from the TV rights. Yeah, and you know you you can go on and f- uh, invest further, maybe making those loans permanent or going out and getting someone else. It's I think it's a good deal for someone like Fulham. Two more moves that we need to talk about. Both maybe loans. three if you want to talk about Wolves uh, getting Leander Dendonker. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's an impressive one that came out of nowhere. Two days before the deadline, no one had mentioned him, and all of a sudden he signs for uh, Wolves. He's a pretty bright young uh, defensive midfield slash uh, center back back from uh, Belgium. He was in their World Cup squad, didn't get to feature too much this past summer. But he's 22 years old. He's capable of going forward and scoring some goals. I'm a big fan of his, and he's been rumored with Chelsea at times over the past two or three years. So him and Yuri Tillemans at Monaco are like the two bright young center midfield prospects for Belgium. Tillemans over at Monaco right now. Let's talk about Mishi Batchwai leaving Chelsea on loan for Valencia. Love the move for Valencia. I kind of hate the move for Chelsea. I Ugh, thought he would I thought he would have been a what a starter for this year. Maybe takes yeah, he was looking good maybe, on loan last maybe year. takes Morata's move maybe takes Morata's starting striker's position. I thought he would have been a better option. Alex, how'd you feel about this? Heartbroken. I mean, I said on the one of our preview pods that I, I thought he had a chance, as you mentioned, to displace Alvaro Morata if Morata continued to sort of uh, miss early on in this Premier League season. And we've seen him link up with the likes of Eden Hazard and William with quick, concise, one-touch passing at the top of the box before. So he has that ability. And he's also got pretty good goal-scoring pedigree from uh, first-time finishes. So I thought he was perfectly tailored, tailored for Sarri's system. But... It looks like we're going to be keeping a hold of Tammy Abraham, uh, keeping him, Alvaro Morata, and Olivier Giroud in the team. And, and so I guess they, rather than loan out Abraham to someone like Brighton or someone uh, like Newcastle, which was, I think was both on the table this past summer, uh, they, they keep a hold of him and uh, loan out Mishi. So I, I don't agree with it, but that must be Sorry's decision. He must have given his blessing to uh, the board for them to negotiate that deal. Because so I think there's an option to buy, too, for Valencia at the end of the year. I think it may be bye-bye Batshuayi from Chelsea. Batuai next to, oh god, I can see his face and I'm blanking on. It's either the, it's Rodrigo or Simone is Zaza. Guedes is that back at PSG? They oh, he's back. They at no, 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 no. Guedes just got sold to Valencia. No, oh. I don't think so. I think they they haven't pushed the deal through yet. They have till the end of the month. They've been well, discussing it's, it. It's close, is what I'm is what I'm hearing. So or the other center forwards that Valencia internet. have are like Rodrigo, who's pretty good. That's a pretty good Brazilian Spanish signing. Uh, and then, uh, what's his name? Simone Zaza from Italy. But the idea of Guedes next to Mishi Bachuai up top, oh, I'm in for that. She's Sign me cream. up. <laughs> Sign me up for that, please. And the last one is Southampton snagged hometown boy Danny Ings on loan um, from Liverpool. Uh, love Danny Ings. Really wish things had worked out at Liverpool, but at this point, it doesn't. it's not going to. There is an option to, to buy. Maybe yeah. even an obligation to buy, which means you're just 
foregoing a season to buy him, which a lot of teams are doing now. Um, but I hope Danny Ings does well at his hometown club. I know that the, I picked them to get relegated, but he I'm if healthy, on that, to be honest, really, I think I'm going to keep Southampton up. If that, I mean, that was my don't main you think, question. Don't you think Danny Ings? Could, I thought. I thought when I saw this signing, I said that that may keep them up. That may be 15 goals right there. You know, I think that I think that they they're missing that guy. I mean, between him and Charlie Austin, I mean, they had so many injury problems last year. They yeah. might continue to have those injury problems, which is a question. But if one of them can be on form while the other is injured, right. then maybe they can sustain enough goals from that position. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, maybe maybe like the, they kept most of the team. I mean, last year, were, down in there. Last year they question. were relying on like Dusan Tadic to like be, like be their you know, hero and goal scorer. They get like two goals all season. Yeah. Right. And, and you know you can't get that guy. And I mean, they have, they have Gabby Adini, Danny Ings, and Charlie Austin, which is not a bad uh, – you know, three strikers to try and get you to stay up. So I may know. I may have to think about what team I would drop into the bottom three though if Southampton are staying up. So uh, I'll come back to you guys in the preview pod with uh, with my answer for that. I mean, Huddersfield and Cardiff, I think Huddersfield and Cardiff, I have they're down going down, down right. So. It's just that third team that we uh, that's probably going to be tough to predict. Tough to predict, yeah. All right, guys, that wraps it up for us on this Sunday afternoon. Look for a preview pod coming at some point in the middle of the week. I'm Andrew for Alex and Javier. Have a great week. Follow us on Twitter at Andrew Passaro at ASMOS92 at Ghost Gold Pod. we got to get Javier, Javier back on Twitter. His account yeah, got we, suspended somehow. I don't know what happened. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll investigate on there. Uh, follow us on Instagram, too. We're going to try to put some more fun content up there. Uh, a fun Photoshopped image of me over the face of the <laughs> pitch invader from today's Liverpool match, uh, courtesy of my friend Andrew Williams. Uh, yeah, so if you know how to use Photoshop uh, and want and need a place to put your work, hit us up, slide us into the DMs on both Twitter and Instagram. Once again, at Andrew Passaro, at ASMOS92, at Go School Pod. Uh, rate review on iTunes and until next week or next time see you.